worlds can head to Children's Church as well as everybody else who's helping with them. While they're walking out, I want you guys to, to recognize something really quickly. The links that I will go to to make you feel comfortable with someone who's not Philip up on the stage. There are so many, so many of our wise young, wise older men who, who have this kind of haircut. I felt I needed to change mine for just a little bit. We're going to be in the book of Romans today, Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think, uh, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. God, as we come before you and open your word, I pray that you would be glorified and magnified in our thoughts, in my speech. God, speak through your Holy Spirit to our, our hearts and our minds today. Help us to know who you are more fully. And God, may that knowledge drive us to righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, 
I have a question for you to consider. I need a definition. I want you to think about this for a couple of moments. Okay? My question to you is what is worship? What is worship? As you think about that, a lot of us immediately go to what we just did. Right? Singing is a form of worship that we give to God. Okay? Listening to scriptural teaching is a form of worship. What we do uh, in our church gathering together, we call this a worship service, right? A worship service. In what way? How is what we do in our corporate gathering, how is that worship? We also, if, 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 just, just to broaden this out just a little bit, okay, uh, we have radio stations dedicated to praise and worship music. And there's, there's, so much, there's so much happening around us that we label as worship in our Christian life. Sometimes it's difficult to narrow down what worship actually is. Because if you look at the beginning of Romans chapter 12... We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. So I want to go through Romans chapter 12 today with you and talk about how all of this encapsulates the idea of what worship is. And I, and I will, I, my disclaimer, my disclaimer is that this is not a comprehensive definition of what worship is. Worship has many facets, many more than I can go through in the amount of time that I have today. Um, even if I extend this into next week, while Pastor Philip is still out, I will not be able to exhaust the idea of what worship is and how that affects us on a daily basis. So this is a small portion. It is not complete. Um, this started... This started... Um, a couple of times ago that I, uh, that I preached, I preached on the book of Jonah. Okay? Preached on the book of Jonah. And the question that I ended with, does, the question was, does your confession match your daily life? Your conduct. Does your confession match your conduct? We say all kinds of things, but does what we say about God, the truths that we know and hold dear, does that actually reflect in how we live our lives? It's going to come back to worship. So, um, about three years ago, uh, right when I first got here, the elders decided they wanted to revamp how the church service went. Um, how it flowed, what the, what the goal, what the intentionality of the church service that we, that we worship together, how would that look and what would that process look like? If you guys take your bulletins really quick um, and you open up and you actually look at the headlines. Look at the headlines. Call to worship. Okay, we worship through adoration. We worship through confession. We worship through assurance. We worship through the word. And through thanksgiving. 
that story that we tell has has modeled how our worship services have been planned since I since I got here about three years ago. Okay, it's a it's a picture of the gospel. So corporately, as we look at what does worship look like, it is the gospel. We approach God, we, 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 the first songs that we sing, the, the, the psalms that we read are all about bringing glory and honor to God. Making us understand a little bit more of who He is through His Word and through song. And when we come into contact with who God is, our natural reaction should be one of confession. So we come into present, the presence of the holy God. We realize that we are not holy. And so we are drawn to confession. Our time of, our, uh, the songs that we sing around that time, the prayer that we pray, the, our corporate prayer, uh, is all focused on that idea. And then we move into assurance through the work of Christ. And we worship as we open the word. And we are sent out by the word. It's this idea, this idea of the gospel as, as worship is an important foundation for what we're talking about. Especially as we look at Romans 12. Okay? Because what comes before Romans 12? Romans 11, right. And before that is Romans 10. And, and if you would like a wonderful, wonderful exposition of that, I encourage you to go to sermonaudio.com and find Pastor Philip's whole series on it. Starting with Romans 1, moving through the end. Now, second caveat. I think that Pastor Philip made a mistake. Sorry if you're watching. You'll see what I'm talking about here in just a moment. It wasn't a it wasn't a glaring mistake. He clarified, uh, but one thing I want to make sure that we understand what when we're talking about worship, okay, uh, we're talking about we're talking specifically about corporate worship. Okay, there is really no room for wiggle room when you're talking about what God expects of the individual. When I talk about worship, I'm not talking about my preference. I'm not talking about the songs that make me happy, the, the scripture that makes me feel good. I'm not talking about an overall experience that makes me feel good. Worship is more than that. So, definition of worship. I've been doing a lot of study. Uh, since last September, that idea that what is worship? What does it mean? What does it mean that we worship in here? What does it mean that we worship with our lives? What does it mean that we're a living sacrifice? The best answer that I've come up with so far has been by D.A. Carson uh, in his book, Worship by the Word. Can you put that up there uh, for me, Clint? So worship, the definition that I'm working off of, the wor- definition that I see in Scripture is the proper response of all moral, sentient beings to God, ascribing all honor and worth to their Creator God precisely because He is worthy and delightfully so. Proper response of all moral, sentient beings. So worship is something that we do. 
Worship is something that is ingrained in us. And it's important for us to understand what it looks like. Let's look at the first two verses of Romans. And we'll take the rest in larger chunks. Here's some things I'd like for for you to observe. Uh, Let's read the first two verses again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this starts, worship starts with the mercies of God. This happens, the only proper worship in our lives can only happen by the mercies of God. We're in Romans 12. Romans 1 through 11 was all about how we are justified by the work of Christ. We are justified by God. It is a work of God completely. We are saved by grace through faith, Paul says in Ephesians. In Romans 1 through 11, Paul is working through the theology of how Christ has saved us from our sin. How he has brought us from damnation to salvation. That is a work of God completely. Justification happens as a work of God alone. By faith alone, through Christ alone. Paul does this in other places as well. And we'll, we'll see that as we go through some other verses uh, later in this sermon. But by the mercies of God, by God's mercies alone, can we come to him in proper worship. Without Christ, we cannot worship God properly. Without Christ, it is impossible to please God. And so we stand in Christ before God, able to worship properly because of His righteousness, His faithfulness, His goodness, not because of our own. Our justification before God comes through Christ alone. What happens after justification in the life of a believer. We start with justification. We have sanctification and then glorification, right? That's the process of the believer's life. We, have, we are justified by grace. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And we are able to be glorified by God for eternity. This process of sanctification, I'm going to argue, is where we learn to worship properly. Our worship is a manifestation of our sanctification. The process. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We are changed. We are changed from who we were into Christ-likeness. We are changed much... uh, (laughs) My kids love playing with Play-Doh. I hate cleaning up Play-Doh. But they have molds, right? 
You can, you, uh, when, when I was growing up, it was the McDonald's thing. You could like, you know, squish the stuff through and it like pours out fries. You can make hamburger patties and, and you serve your parents a disgusting meal of Play-Doh. The Play-Doh was transformed by the working of whoever was being creative with it. In the same way, we are transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are transformed. We are, we are enabled to worship correctly by the work of Christ on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our life, living in worship of God, is a series of choices that we make enabled by the Holy Spirit to be conformed into the image of Christ. Before Christ, we were unable to choose God. Our hearts were dead in sin. We were unable to, to choose what was best, what was right, what was most good. In God, through the actions of Christ, because Christ became our righteousness, because Christ died on the cross and He lived the perfect life that we could not live. Now we put on God's righteousness, we put on Christ's righteousness, and I, that, that in, enables us to do what we're supposed to do. Worship is the proper response of all moral sentient beings to God. Proper response. It's action. Our worship, in, it requires us to do something. Let's look at what Paul says here. We need to, we need to be... Um, if you look at how Paul describes it in Ephesians when he's talking about the, the sword of the, the, the armor of God. Putting on God's armor. Living in God's armor. That is our act of worship to God. When we look at what we're to do, that is all tied up in knowing Scripture, in understanding the Word of God, in understanding how God has, has talked to us, how God communicates, and how God is working through us. We need to know the Word so well that we can discern error when we see it in the world around us. We need to know God's truth so well that any sort of mistake is obvious to us. The Olympics started. I love watching the Olympics. Uh, the thing that terrifies me the most, the diving high dive, scares me to no end. Uh, when I was, when I was uh, my kid's age, my mom made us watch the gymnastics stuff. What they can do is incredible. Um, but I remember uh, the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. It came time for the vault to happen in the rotation of things. And I remember, and I've gone back and I've watched this again, I remember that a lot of the girls, these are professional athletes who have done this, 
thousands and thousands and thousands. They, they run up, springboard, do gigantic flips, and then land on their feet and go, whoo, right? They kept falling. They kept, one, one of our, one of our gymnasts fell flat on her back, like landed. Eventually, what happened was they started complaining about that something felt off. Something felt weird. 18 of these top-ranked gymnasts made the judges go check, and sure enough, what they were vaulting off of was two inches shorter than what it was supposed to be. One click off. And because of that one click off, none of them were able to do what they had trained so hard to do. They were given an opportunity to fix it after, in the middle of, in the middle of this whole rotation, I mean, I don't know if the, the name Svetlana Horkina means anything to you guys, but that was, she was like the, the best of the best. The one that everybody looked up to, and she, she fell flat on her bottom. Twice in competition. Because this little thing was off. They had trained, and they knew their apparatus so well, that that two inches of difference made all the difference in the world. We need to know God's will. We need to know God's truth so well that when something is just a little bit off, we can identify it and stop it. It's part of our worship. When Pastor Philip preached on why it's important we worship. He looked at Hebrews chapter 9 and talked about how the Day of Atonement was a picture of everything that Christ has accomplished. And when we look at our worship and the, the idea, the, the Old Testament idea that the, the sacrifice comes and it is killed, the blood is sprinkled, and forgiveness is given because of the person's faith, we look at that, the sacrifice the, the animal didn't end up very well in the sacrifice. But we are called to be a living sacrifice. Now let's look and see what that means. So, first of all, first of all, worship is individual adoration. Worship is individual adoration. Our worship of God we're going to be held responsible for how we worship God. We're going to be held responsible for how we know and understand God. We need to know and have, have proper theology. We need to have this understanding of, of, of our personal faith in Christ. It's individual actions. Individual adoration. So when we're singing, we're, we're not distracted by things that are going on. We are, we are drawn into God's presence. We experience God outside of, of our corporate setting. I love going to the beach. I love going to the mountains. Both of those places show me how small I really am. We need to understand that our faith, our knowledge of who God is, is a part of how we worship God. If our God is small, our worship is small. We need to know God properly 
to worship him properly. This requires faith in Christ. It requires the Holy Spirit living inside us. And a daily understanding that God is God, we are not. We're sinful. We need a Savior. Worship is also corporate adoration. Corporate adoration. When we come together, you come together as a body of believers in a church. We form the church and together we can do things that individuals cannot do as we worship God. If you look at the Old Testament hints, previews of what worship was going to look like, the people of Israel worshiped together. They ate together. They lived together. Our life as a believer was never meant to be done on our own. We require corporate Adoration. So we, we come to a church that, that has good, proper doctrine, theology. We come to a church that observes the ordinances, Lord's Supper, baptism. We come together and remember the work of Christ as an act of worship. But worship cannot only be about correct belief. And correct understanding. Worship requires work. Now, I've got to say this. Uh, as, a, as a child of the Reformation, that word is a four-letter word. Work. Remember where we started. Justification, salvation is by faith alone. Through Christ alone. By grace alone, it is not through my work. I'm not talking about justification. I'm talking about sanctification. Sanctification requires work. Worship requires work. So worship is also, another facet, corporate action. Worship is corporate action. As we look at what the church is called to do, when we look at how we're supposed to live together, we flip over to Colossians for me, with me real quick. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. As Paul teaches about how to, how to live among other believers, he says, starting, starting in verse 12, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed you were indeed called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We're to admonish one another. We're supposed to build each other up, come together, and and that requires action. It requires going across an aisle. It requires sitting in a seat that you might not normally sit in. It requires going to lunch with people. It requires being in each other's lives. We're called to admonish in wisdom. As a group, we're supposed to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. It's the job of the church to teach, admonish, to serve. Church is supposed to send. It's a corporate action that we need to do as a church. We need to send out missionaries. We need to send out our members into the world to tell people about Christ. To show people how their lives are not good reflections of who God has made them to be. Being a part of a church necessarily brings accountability. Church discipline. Because we're sinners. We need each other. We need each other to hold us up to God's perfect and holy standard. We need those friends to say, you know, what you said wasn't quite right. Other friends to say, I love you. I forgive you. You did a good job. All those things are part of the body, part of the things that we do as the body. If you look back at Romans 12, the first chunk of Romans 12 is about how we're supposed to deal with each other in the body of Christ. Now, we could spend entire sermons on each one of these statements. I'll go through them again. But just imagine what we could do with time. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure that God has assigned. We are as in one body. We have many members. And the members do not, not all have the same function. So we, though many, are the body of Christ. And individually we are members of one another. We are family. We are called to do different things. We are called to a different purpose. I recently found out that part of my body was not happy with me. And when part of your body is not happy with you, the rest of the body hurts. When we have sickness, pain, disease, we, Paul is using this analogy to, because it's, it's real. 
We're not all supposed to be the same. God has made us different. God has called us to do different things. And so we, we worship God by doing the things that we are called to do. Your act of worship might be watching babies and changing diapers. Your act of worship to God might be playing basketball with the youth. Your act of worship to God might be making visits to folks who can't come. It's different. There's not one part of the body that's more important. We all need to defer to each other. That is our act of worship. As a body, we come together. Where I'm going to spend most of the rest of the time today, this last idea, that worship is individual action. Worship is individual action. I've talked about this a little bit already. But worship is a manifestation of the process of sanctification in our life. As we become more Christ-like, our worship becomes more Christ-like as well. It manifests itself in our ability to choose to follow God properly. Living sacrifice. If you please turn real quick over to Ephesians chapter 6. What does worship look like in the individual life? Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Paul's words here show us what worship looks like. 
if you're looking at how we are supposed to worship God outside of this space and this time, and you know, ten twenty to you know two thirty on Sunday morning. Preacher's got to have a time joke in there, right? That's necessary. How do we worship God outside of these walls? Is by being like Christ outside of these walls. Our lives, putting aside flesh, fighting against, the Puritans called mortifying the flesh, right? We're supposed to mortify the sin. We're supposed to be at war with the, with the sin that is inside us. With our flesh, with temptation that comes from outside. We are to be at war. And when we fight, when we, when we put on and we, we live out God's armor, we are worshiping God correctly. We are being righteous. We are being Christ's righteousness in the world. Fighting against the powers that are out there. We worship we know God, who He is, what He has said to do, and then it, it, it spills out. It pours out into the places that are dark. Light into darkness. That is our, that is our worship. That is our warfare. We're supposed to be righteous. We've been talking about this a lot in the Oasis over the, over the summer. Looking at the practical application of what does it mean to be To put on God's righteousness. It's about obedience. We know what God has called us to do. We know how God has called us to act. When we look at at all the lists that there are in Ephesians, in Romans, in Colossians, we see how we're supposed to live, not through our own strength, but through the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's not the, the danger that we have as we trust in the sovereignty of God as that we sit back on our laurels and rest and say, God's going to make it happen because He's sovereign. That's not how it works. We are called to be holy. We are called to be righteous. Through our actions, through our words, through our thoughts, we are God's ambassadors on earth. We speak His words. We live through Christ who is in our hearts being transformed day by day into Christ-likeness. That is our act of worship. The Christian life is not one of ease and rest The Christian life is one of action. Work. We need to have our taking (laughs) it. When we look again at, at how Paul started this list, we look back at Romans in Romans 12. He said, guys, be careful. Okay? This can only happen by the mercies of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 
He enables the righteousness. He enables the faith. He enables the grace and mercy that we're supposed to show other people. But it is us that is doing it. Stand, therefore. Stand. So what does this look like? Paul loves lists. I love finding Paul's lists. In Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. We worship God by letting God come through us. The Holy Spirit is inside the believer, working, making us more Christ-like. That looks like to the outside world. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing things that you want to do. What does our worship look like? Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. God's fruit. God's Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We are constantly at war with ourselves. It's a constant battle. That's not the only list. I skipped over the bad list. The bad list is what wants to come out. Our act of worship is saying no to the desires of the flesh. Saying no to the the things that tempt us and following after God. God working in us produces, manifests itself in love, joy, peace. We must crucify the flesh. Put to death the flesh. And through that we worship God properly. We walk in the light as He is in the light. That is our spiritual act of worship. We are a living sacrifice putting to death the things that we desire and living to God. Putting to death our wants, our needs, and having faith that God will give us everything that we need. So within our church, within this body of believers, 
when we come to worship, it's not about singing songs. Not oh, sorry, it's not only about singing songs that help us understand God better. It's not only about hearing God's word faithfully preached. It is also about extending that love that we are showing to God to our neighbors. About loving each other. Treating each other as image bearers of God. Back in Romans verse 9. Our worship, our proper reaction to God. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I could come up with a sermon for each one of those. There's so much embedded in all of those things. But this, uh, the, the main point here is that all of these actions go against our natural state. All of these actions go against the sin that is embedded in our hearts. That, that only wants what's good for me. I want to feel comfortable. It was too hot. The lights were too bright. The music was too loud. I didn't sing enough hymns. I didn't sing enough praise songs. Man, the, the, that guy was too sweaty. The guy behind me, he was singing too loud and off key. When I walked in, 15 people did not say hello to me. I walked out, no one said goodbye. Our desire is to be the center of the world. Our act of worship is to put that to death. It's never, never about preference. Our act of worship is one of deference. And then that's supposed to go out. It's not just here. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Our worship is what shows who Christ really is to us. If you walk out the door and you look the same as the world, what difference has Christ actually made? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul, Paul is calling us to worship God, not 
on Sundays and Wednesdays when we come together. Not just in our quiet times. Not just when, we are, when we're feeling hyper-spiritual. But with the mundane decision to follow God and be a living sacrifice moment by moment. That is our act of worship. It's what we have called, been called to do. We've been called to die to ourself and live to Christ. Imagine what the world would be like if we were actually able to do this. Imagine what the world would be like if the church worshipped God properly. Let's pray. God, we're not worthy of the grace and mercy that you have given us in Christ. We are sinners. Lord God, we are broken. But Lord God, you have set us apart for a glorious purpose. God, you have opened the eyes of your children to see who you really are. You've given us a new name, a new heart, a new family. Lord God, you've given us opportunity to show others that same thing. God, I pray as we go today that we would be marked by humility and love. Lord God, that we would be that we would show zeal for who you are. That we would make much of each other, that we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, and that we would that we would go above and beyond what was needed. God, I pray that as we as we conclude our time together here today, Lord God, that you would break our hearts continually for our sin. That you would show us grace and mercy. That you would give us opportunities to bless others and show others how to properly worship and love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Stand and sing.